Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Good morning, Calvary. It's a beautiful day to be together and worship the Lord. If you're a guest, I'm Pastor Steve. Um, and so grateful to be a part of this, this church family. We, this uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a celebration here that you guys put on for Sahoy and I for 50 years of vocational ministry. We were extremely blessed. Uh, this happened to also be our, our 50th year wedding anniversary, so we've had a lot of uh, good celebrations this year. And we wanted to really take just a second and say, wow, that that time together on Friday night celebrating our 50 years of vocational ministry, it did a couple of really powerful things for us. Number one is a blessing, just to know that we're loved and to know that we can be a part of family for, this is a forever family, right? It's not even 50 years, this is a forever family, and uh, we will have fellowship from now on, and it will be so, uh, a long celebration that will be glorious. So we were very blessed. We were very encouraged by that. Sometimes, and we've talked about this a few times this year, you know, sometimes you need to stop and look back and remember all the good things God has done through you. It's easy to kind of forget those, but even seeds that have been planted that we have no idea, you know, what fruit will come out of a seed that's sown somewhere and in a person's life, in a person's heart. Uh, but to be a part of that, again, it's a forever thing. It's like the, the multiplying of God's grace happens if we're just faithful, even down to the level of Jesus said, what, give a cup of cold water in my name. Even that has a reward attached to it. It's like there are multiplied blessings that we cannot see, uh, but that'll be one of the joys of a dynamic eternity, getting to know people and running into things and seeing how lives interacted. I think the Lord will have a lot of fun time showing us stuff that we did that made a difference, maybe generations down the line that we don't even know about. It's an amazing thing when you're connected to an eternal God, an eternal family. So celebration is a, is a good thing. And we were truly blessed and encouraged. But we were also challenged. Keep going. Don't stop. It's like, you know, if you got a pulse, you got a purpose, right? I mean, you just keep going with the Lord. And some of the guys, and there aren't too many around here that are ahead of me age-wise. There are a couple of you guys, but not many. And over the years, guys like Dick Odell and others that have been so faithful in the Lord, even as a teacher, uh, to see them in classes and to hear their comments and to be on retreats together that we've done over the years with different people, it's like I always tell these, these guys that are down the road, God, thank, guys, thank you for being there. Thank you for saying, hey, keep going. There's, there's more. You never, you never come to the end of the road with God. And so we, as I've taught often, we have a dynamic eternity in front of us of continued growth that we'll discover more and more of God through eternity. And when we do, we get a chance to grow because we're made in his image. It does things in us. So we were blessed and we were extremely uh, challenged just to continue to be faithful, to continue to serve. And we want to thank you for that time of celebration. Thank you for the financial gifts the numbers of you gave. And for those of you who are monthly supporters, you keep us going uh, and allow us to continue to minister the things the Lord has put in us over the years. So thank you um, 
for that, for the cards. Many of you signed cards. Since those are the videos, we've been watching those this week, number of videos. That's been a lot of fun. And you've seen people from the past that sent in videos that, that have been long since moved away and gone. But it's all been a, a great time of, of reflection and remembering. Uh, and one other thing it did for me, as I, as I reflected, as I heard stories, saw people from the past, um, it made me to remember the real heartbeat of this congregation is intimacy with God, love for God and receiving the love of God in us. That has been like the transformative energy that has continued to help us to become more and more what God wants us to be. We've got a long way to go, but we're not where we were either, you know? It's that miracle of grace. It, it, takes us where we are, but it doesn't leave us where it found us. It keeps moving us along, and that journey has been a powerful thing. So uh, it's been a time for me of, of remembering that this all started with, with getting to know God in, as a lover, as a father, as a friend, as all that we need, everything we need, God is, and that the love of God has been the most transforming thing the most transforming energy, that heavenly blessing coming into our earthly arena, into our lives, and we're able to share that in this world. So I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about just that foundation of, of love for God and for God loving us. Because it, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, the first commandment is still the first commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Every aspect of our humanity God has designed to be an avenue of love. And that love comes to us from God because he is love and it flows through us into this world and returns back unto God in praise and glory. Love is the greatest power that exists in all of creation. So, Father, I ask you this morning that you would, Lord, help some of us to remember how much you've loved us, how well you've loved us, how long-suffering is your love, Lord, how joyous is your love, how personal, how intimate. God, thank you that you are love. We can't understand that, God, but what we taste of it is really good, so thank you. So, God, this morning, stir up our remembrance, and Lord, also... Help us to return to our first love. Lord, sometimes we, we don't mean to, but Lord, we drift. And Lord, uh, we get our lives sated with other things. And so, Lord, I just pray for a renewal of love. And God, maybe some here have never really surrendered and, and experienced and understand your love. Lord, may today be a new beginning of loving and intimacy with you. And I ask you, God, that you would do that by the power of the Holy Spirit and the sanctifying truth of your word, Lord. Speak to us, I pray, and do this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So many times as a pastor over the years, um, I find when I talk to people about God and get down to the basics, you know, well, especially with new believers, but even, even older believers, it's like, you know, who is God? What is he like to you? How does he interact with your life? And I hear so much the wrong things about God. I mean, some people, they know like theology. It's like, I know God loves me, but they sort of feel like God's the, the referee in a game and he's going to throw the penalty flag every few minutes when we mess up. It's like, you know, you're not, you're not getting away with that. You know, go back 15. 
15 yards or whatever. And life seems to be this constant back and forth. Uh, and we have this view of God as a, as a referee or a judge or a policeman or something that is communicating to us that we just better be careful around God. When that's exactly opposite of the truth. <laughs> what we need to do is to give ourselves wholly and freely and completely to God. That is a powerful moment of exchange when we come to say, you know what, I'm going to trust that God loves me. I'm going not just to believe that in my head, I'm going to trust my life to that reality. It's not easy to do, uh, especially since we separate knowledge and experience, and we desperately need experience. Um, Jesus tells us if we'll ask, you know, he'll answer. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be open. These are, these are again, experiential items. These aren't know this, understand that. And certainly we need to know and understand some things. But the invitation of God is an invitation to experience. Experience is something that is, I believe, desperately needed in the Western church. Our rationalism, while it's brought a lot of good gifts, you know, a lot of the, the education, medicine, I mean, science, it's brought a lot of good gifts into this world. But rationalism's dark side is it will rob you of faith. It will, and really that's the job of rationalism, right? Explain everything. <laughs> Get it all where we can understand it. But the reality is faith is about trust, Faith is about going beyond what we can understand. It's not irrational, but it is transrational. It goes beyond our understanding. And so much of God's Word keeps pushing us there, but we don't see it because we keep reducing it back down to what do I know? Of course, the book of James tells us the devil knows, but he trembles. So you can know a lot about God and not be living in the power of God's love. And I'm going to talk this morning about that power of God's love. So if you have your Bibles, your phones, John 17, God's Word here, um, the end of one of the greatest passages, the chapters in all of the Bible, John 17, what's called Jesus' high priestly prayer right before he goes to the cross, Garden of Gethsemane. This is a time of great energy and intimacy with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gets to the end of all this. We could take weeks on the passage, but just the last verse, John 17, 26, Jesus says at the conclusion of his prayer, he's praying to God for his followers, including us, people who believe in his first disciples. He even names us in that way. John 17, 26, I, Father, I have made you known to them, to, to us, to his followers. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. So knowing's good. God wants to be known. And Jesus is the greatest revelation of God there is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God, I, I, I've helped them to get to know you. But what's the purpose of knowing God? He goes on. I'm going to continue to make you known. So Jesus is still doing this. He'll do it in your life. Open up to this. This is Jesus' ministry. Still happening. I will continue to make you known. Why? Here's the purpose clause. In order that the love you have for me may be in them. That the love you have for me may be in them. And then he closes what's the result of that is that and I myself might be in them that's again one of those passages to me you just fall on your face how do you explain 
The fact that here's Jesus in his humanity praying, I'm going to be in other people. Like, what do you do? I don't think rationalism can go there. There's no explanation for that. You just bow down and say, Lord, I believe you. Somehow he's come to live in us. But I want to get the passage, I mean, the statement before. He's helping us to know God. Why should we know God? That the love you have for me might be in them. And commentators and scholars go two different directions on this. I have no idea how to separate them, so I think both of them must be true. And both of them obviously are true if you go to other places in the Scripture. But one way you can look at this, I pray that, Lord, that God, Jesus prayed to God, that the love you have for me might be in them. So Jesus is saying, God, the way you love me, the love you have for me, help them to love me like that. That's going to bring us into the right place when we fall in love with Jesus Christ. That's what we teach in ministry team training all, all three times a year. I'm always teaching this, that if, if power ministry is about anything, it's about being in love with Jesus Christ. It's love that opens the door to the heavenly arena. It's love that transforms us. It's love that sends us. It's, it's the power that we need. And so Jesus says, God, help them to love me like you love me, because I know that's going to make their life straight, right? Because Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you fall in love with the right way, if you fall in love with truth, if you fall in love with real life, that's going to help your life a whole lot, isn't it? When we love the right thing. So Jesus is saying, God, help them to love me like you love me. I know what that will do for them. And I think that's a great prayer to pray. I've prayed this for years. God, Holy Spirit, help me to love Jesus today in my actions and my attitudes and what I value in my engagements with people. Help me to love Jesus in all that I do. The Holy Spirit loves to answer that prayer. But the other way you can go with this, and again, I think both of these are true, that as he makes God known to us, that the love God that you have for me might be in them. That God... The way you love me, help them to feel love like that. Jesus saying, God, I have felt your love. You have so changed me by your love. You, Father, you have so empowered me by your love. So, God, help them to know that you love them the same way you love me. And a lot of commentators say that's the way to go because Jesus says the same thing just a few verses earlier. Verse 21, where he says, Father, help them to know that you love them the same way you love me. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus Christ. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus Christ. Wrap your head around that. Throw out the referee with this penalty flag. <laughs> you are standing before a God who loves you as much as his own beloved son. Oh, how we need to know the love of God, the reckless love of God that we sang about today. We see God, the father, and the prodigal son, what's he doing? He's running to meet the prodigal, right? He's not giving them a new exam or making them jump hoops. He's running out to meet the prodigal. Come home, come home, come home. That's the call of the love of God. Or Revelation 3.20 to his own church, he's saying, I'm standing at the door, I'm shouting. Let me in. I want to come in. I want to do life with you, dine with you. This is a God who is pursuing you. Why is he doing that? Because he loves you just like he loves Jesus Christ. He will never stop loving you. 
and he loves you way more than you can possibly imagine. I know that's true for me. Again, uh, it's one of those places just to bow down and worship at the love of God because it is so powerful. So I remember when our kids were little and growing up, you know, they come running in from hot and play and it's time for dinner. And we say, go wash up, you know, right? Especially little boys, nine or 10 year olds, please go wash up before you come in for dinner. It's like a lot of Christians, they never really sit and feast with the father because they don't just take any time to get cleaned up. Repentance is a wonderful gift that we come and we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, and he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us of all our sins. Nothing's left out. Nothing's too far. I don't care where you've been. Nothing is beyond the reach of the love of God. God's love for you has never stopped. I've taught it often. You might be out of God's will right now. You are not out of his concern. He loves you. He wants you to come to him. He will run to meet you. You give him the least little chance. So when we talk about the Father's table, um, we're talking about the blessings of the kingdom of God, really. What has God given to us? In Ephesians 1, 3, that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Nothing's lacking, right? I mean, everything that's available is available. And we need to know how to receive from that gifting, from those graces, from that table, even back in the Old Testament, they knew that, right? David in Psalm 23, verse 5, he says, Thou preparest a table before me, when? In the presence of my enemies. This is not for the sweet by and by. This stuff of the love of God and the graces of heaven. These are things available for the here and the now. When you are surrounded by the enemy, our good friend Mickey taught us, when you're surrounded by the enemy, look for the table of the Lord. When you're in a difficult place in life, look around because God has something he wants to give to you. He wants to feed you. He wants to nourish you. He wants to strengthen you, encourage you. He wants to do something in the midst of the difficulties. When you're surrounded by enemies, thou preparest a table before me. Right there, especially in those hard places. I want to encourage you, stop looking at the problem for a minute and start looking for the table. God, what do you want to feed me right now? What have you cooked up in heaven's oven for me right now? God might have some comfort casserole if you're hurting, right? Or sometimes some gumption gumbo if you're from Louisiana. You need just courage and strengthen. Or we might need the pie of peace or, or a piece of pie. Either works for me. And both of them are pretty good at comfort, right? Peace is a good thing to eat at the table of the Lord. I asked Zoe what she'd put in there. She said, wisdom waffles. You know, it's like, got lots of ins and outs, but the wisdom's there. Surrender soup. Maybe we need to do some surrender. But listen, the point is this. Every time you're in trouble, every time you feel like you're being attacked, every time you've messed up, look around and see what the Lord has for you because he is not out of the picture in the presence of your enemies. And sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Even there when you recognize, God, I've blown it. I've messed up. What would you feed me right now, Lord? What would you give to me right now? I'd ask him that. I do ask him that. Open the word. Open your heart. Go to worship and see if God will not feed you there in those difficulties, in those hardest places of life. God says, it's there. I will meet you. That's what the love of God does. 
doesn't abandon us, doesn't accuse us. It saves us. God is a savior. That's what his love does for us. It brings kingdom reality to us. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Romans 14, 17. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Man, if you just got those three things, that's a pretty good life. Righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to live there. And these are things on the table of the Lord, especially when you're in a tough place. Especially when you're biting and fighting and just trying to keep your head above water. Stop. Look. What is God wanting to feed you? God, what do you have for me? What would you say to me? What would you do in me? Who would you send to me? Ask him because he's there and his love has something to give you. So many believers... Our spiritual lives are like untasted stuff. We haven't ever eaten any. We know the recipe. We could probably cook it. We could teach others about it, but we're just not eating it. We're not devouring the good things God has given to us and for us. So ask God, God, in that tough place, what do you have for me? Because that's what love does. It comes to us in the hurts, comes to us in the harried parts of life where we're just confused. God's love is there. See what he has to feed you. He's not abandoned you. And we've got to move out of this untasted stuff where we just have knowledge. Again, I'm not against knowledge. I'm all for knowledge. But knowledge is only 25% of the great commandment. Always remember, love the Lord God. Heart, mind, soul, strength. Four categories. One of them is your mind. Important, glorious. But we need to learn to love him some other ways. We have capacities to connect with the love of God in other ways. We need to embrace our intellect, certainly. But we also need to surrender to the experience of God's presence. Learn to hear God's voice. To know God's touch in our lives. Hebrews 6 has those interesting comments. Chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 of Hebrews that, that there are powers of the age to come. And that's not just for the age to come. He says, if you've tasted the powers of the age to come, taste the heavenly gifts. These are things God wants to give to us now to experience. And I've taught it a thousand times. Taste is an experiential concept. You can't explain taste. You know, what does papaya taste like? What does, you know, what does mangoes taste like? like you can explain some things like ideas, but you can't tell somebody what something else tastes like. They don't know until they taste it. But you can blindfold me, put a piece of white chocolate in my mouth, dark chocolate, bitter sweet chocolate, baking chocolate, milk chocolate, with a no knowledge, no information. I can tell you everything you put in my mouth. And how do I do that? By experience. So the point is this, for us good Westerners, experience is a valid way of knowing. There's some things you can only know by experience. They're not available to the intellect. They're not available to rationalism. They're putting us into the category of faith. Faith. Believe. Trust. Receive. We need experience with God. We need encounter. We need our hearts warmed. We need our souls stirred. We need to feel the affirmation of God. We need to feel the affections of God. And it is a characteristic of our Western culture to reduce everything, including our spiritual lives, is to reduce it down to the reasoning mind. What do I know? 
Well, there's some things that I know, but I don't know them because I learned them. I know them because God touched me, spoke to me, moved me, came upon me. There are things that I know. In fact, I would say the deepest things that I know did not come through my intellect. They came through my spirit. There is contact with spirit that we need to learn is there, and God is spirit. So we need that feasting at his table in times of trouble. We need to become comfortable with going beyond rationalism into faith, into places that are not to be explained, but are to be worshipped and surrendered to and believed in and received as God touches us and speaks to us. Our, our spiritual lives are incomplete if there's only rationalism. And again, I, I'm for that. I love that. But it's not complete. There's more of God than we can grab with our learning. I'm advocating contact with God. We need to know the love of God in a way of contact, not just information. We need to go beyond, as I said, our reasoning mind. The Father wants you to experience his love. This is what Jesus is praying in our text. Father, that the love you have for me might be in them. And I would say to you, he's not talking about a love that you explain. Explaining love is like, you know, talking about romance, but you don't have any. You can talk about it. You can say some things true about it. But when you're in love, it's a whole different game, right? can make you a little bit beyond rational sometimes. <laughs> love goes into some different categories. We need that with God, church. We need something more than what we just explain and understand. So the Father comes to feed us on things, that, yes, that are rational, but yes, that are transrational. We need to experience the presence of God. And I'll tell you, it is that kind of experience that will remove unworthiness and guilt and shame when you feel, God loves me. I am loved by God. And that love is the most transforming power again that you'll ever know. So why do we end up again judging ourselves by our worst moments? The worst thing we do, we think, well, that's who I really am. Who made up that rule you got to judge yourself by the worst moments? I would suggest to you that's probably the accuser of the brethren, not your father God. Let the father define you. And what the father says is, I love you as much as I love Jesus Christ. That's a different definition. We've got to get guilt and shame off the table. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's conviction. Thank goodness. The Lord calls us when we walk away, when we get lost, when we turn back. Thank goodness there's conviction that turns us around. But that's way different than combination that makes you feel like I'm unloved, I'm unworthy, I'm unacceptable. We are not to live as shame-based people. We are to live as God-loved people. God really loves you, and it's not just information. It's not just theology. It's reality. But I'll tell you, when we make some mistake, when we do something wrong, and we think, man, that's who I really am, the enemy has just set up camp in your thought life. He will erect a stronghold that will continue to define you by what you've done wrong. Why don't we say, well, that was a bad mistake, God forgive me, but define ourselves by our best moments. That's a better rule to me, right? It's like there's no rule that you've got to define yourself by your worst moments. Stop it. Let God's love define you. And again, grace 
takes us where we are, doesn't leave us where we found. We grow, we go conviction, we have the things, we repent, but it convicts it, a conviction leads us into repentance, and repentance leads us into cleansing. There is no more sin. God turns the page on that. He removes it as far as the east from the west, he says. Our attitudes, our habits, all of these things the devil will start to build in his stronghold that make you feel your worst moment is what you really are. Your worst thing is that's who you really are. When you need to say, no, that's where I'm trapped right now, but Jesus has come to set the prisoners free. I'm not going to stay here. That's the way we need to talk about those things. Yes, I know there are strongholds in us. Yes, I know some of us have habitual sins. It's like, how do I get free from this? I hate this. And you start there by hating it, not by loving it. When you decide to hate it, and then God comes along, and he says, okay, let me help you now. You can say, this is a bad spot in my life. I don't want to stay here, but that does not define me. I am loved by God. That defines me. So God, help me with your love. And he starts by cleansing you and removing the guilt and the shame so you can stay close to him. If you're full of guilt and shame, you can't stay close to somebody that you feel like is shaming you all the time, making you feel guilty. That's not what God does. He sets us free from those things. Oh, you know, it's about my old story about the, the caravan going across the desert, and they stopped the first night, and the, the workers go, and they come to the caravan master and said, Master, we got 20 camels, but we've only got 19 stakes. How are we going to make this 20th camel stick around? He said, just go pretend you have a stake and pretend you tie him up. He'll stay there. So they pretended to tie up camel number 20, and, and they slept all night, and there's a camel there, and next morning, they take off across the desert, and the servants come back up, and they say, caravan master said, that 20th camel, he's not following us. He said, go back and untie him. <laughs> we are tied to things that do not exist except in our own minds. Guilt and shame is a lie from the devil. Untie it. Let Jesus set you free. Come at it from a completely different angle. And the love of God is what does it. It sets you free. Love. Most of the time we talk about love in the scripture, we're talking about agape. Right? We know this Greek word. If you've been in church, you've heard the word agape, the love of God. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his own love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So here's the agape love of God. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We didn't qualify for it. It's a gift. Sheer gift of God. I love you. Agape. It's truth. It's doctrine. It's theology. And it's good theology. And it's good doctrine. And we need it. That's what agape does. But I would assume, again, if you've walked with the Lord, you've been in church for a while, you know at least enough about agape to get by. That's what Jesus went to the cross because of the agape. It's like, I will never turn my back on people because I love them. But there's something different here that I'm aiming at. Agape, again, it's not something earned or deserved. I'm talking about a love that's not theological but experiential. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That's another kind of love. It's a different kind of love. I was your foe, and you still fought for me. You've been so, so good to me. 
when I felt no worth, you paid for me. You have been so, so kind to me. Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Chases me down, fights till I'm found. It leaves the 90 and 9. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That's good agape love. We, I'm not against agape. We need that love. We know I didn't earn this. I didn't deserve it. This God came after me because he has agape love for me. But there's another category I'm aiming at here for us, church. And that is another Greek word for love, phileo. Phileo. Agape, theological, the truth of God. Phileo, this is the touch of God. When God encounters us and our hearts, our motive part, our souls experience the love of God, he demonstrates his love. It is a demonstrated tender affection. Think of phileo like that. It's God with coming to you with a demonstrated tender affection. In other words, it's not just that he has tender affections for you, but he's going to demonstrate it to you in some way. He's going to show you. You're going to experience something. You're going to learn about some love that's not theological. It doesn't mean there's no theology in it. I'm teaching theology. But, but it's not the theological category. This is one of those things you can only know by experience. But it's a valid way of knowing God. To be moved by the phileo love of God. The tender affection as he demonstrates it to us. It's not information. It's an experience. It's a demonstration. John 5, 19 and 20. John 5, 19 and 20. Jesus is, they're asking why he healed on the Sabbath. And he says this, John 5, 19. He gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For, catch purpose clause again, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. How did, why did Jesus heal on the Sabbath? I only do what I see the Father doing. How did he know what the Father's doing? Because whatever the Father does, the Son does. For, because the Father loves me, he shows me what he's up to. Love. Which word? Phileo agape. It's phileo. Because the Father has tender affections, he tells me stuff. He shows me stuff. I, I don't minister doing what I want to do. I go out there and I say, God, who do you want me to pray for today? And God said, see that lame man, go pray for him. And he does, and the lame man's healed. And the Lord Jesus says, okay, who do you want me to pray for next? And God says, that's all, I'll take the rest of the day off. And he went home until the Pharisees caught up with him. I only do what I see the Father doing. I'm not, I don't do anything on my own initiative. What guides him? What empowers him? God shows me what to do because we're very close. We have a lot of affection for one another. It's tender. It's real. And out of that part of God's love, what happens? He is empowered to do the works of God. From miracles to a cup of cold water. Covers the whole spectrum. God can put a little prompting in your heart. Hey, give that worker in your yard a cup of cold water. You know, if I'm ever outside when the 
UPS man or the prime guy shows up in his van, I always take a cold water out there and give to him if I can catch him. It's like just to say, Lord bless you today. Like that's that's can have the power of love in it. You never know what's going on in somebody's life. And a little act of kindness can make a difference that we don't understand. Tender, demonstrated affection. And Jesus, this is really, really important, where he says, John 5, 19 and 20, write that down. You're going to want to go back and look at that. He show, I do power stuff because I'm just doing what God shows me to do. I don't do it on my own initiative. And why does God show me stuff? Because we're really close. We're, we're affectionate. We're tender. Listen to me. Intimacy opens lines of communication that other people don't see and don't hear. Intimacy opens lines of communication that other people don't see and don't hear. We need to become intimate with God. Jesus felt loved by the Father. He experienced the love of the Father. He lived and ministered out of that tender affection. This is, please get this. The love of God, the phileo love, plus agape, you don't want to leave it out, but the phileo love of God, where he says, here's how I do power stuff. I do what God shows me to do. And I know what he's doing because we have this phileo. We have this tender affection with one another. Listen, the phileo love of God, the love of God that Jesus felt, that's what made Jesus, Jesus. You should think about that for a while. It's why he did what he did. He says it many times in the Gospels. I only say what I hear the Father saying. <laughs> we skip right over those things. And the Father says something to me and tells me things because we're really affectionate. We really love each other. And I have lines of communication with him. It's called prophetic ministry, right? Visions, dreams. I saw Nathaniel. How'd you, how do you know me? I saw you under the fig tree before Philip came to get you. Word of knowledge. Transrational information. This is where the phileo of God operates. This is what it releases. Jesus says, the reason I do the stuff I'm doing is because Father shows me stuff, and the reason he shows me stuff is because we're really close. We really have tender affection. And he demonstrates that affection by showing me things, telling me things, touching me, helping me. So Jesus tells us it is the relational affection between he and the Father that is the key to his ministry. Is that not what he's saying here? That is the key to his ministry. He could feel the Father's presence. He could hear the Father's voice. He could see what Father was doing, and it flowed out of a phileo relationship with God. So what about us? What about our relationship with God? Do we have tender affection? Do we ever feel God demonstrate that in our lives? Jesus points us that direction very clearly. John 16, verse 26 and 27. John 16, verse 26 and 27. Jesus talking to his disciples about when he's going away. He's not gone yet, but he says this. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me 
and believe that I came from God. Here's the other line on John 17, 26. Father, that they might feel the love that you have for me. The Father himself will love you because you have loved me. You loved me like God did, and that opens the line for you to receive God's love, and that phileo opens lines of communication, and we begin to feel the intimacy with God that we talk about, that we reduce to knowledge, but we need to open up and expand to experience. The key to ministry, power ministry, and I would say any ministry with power in it is based on the love of God. Us receiving the love of God and living in that love of God. Our relationship with the Father is what Jesus is interested in in our John 17 passage. Father, I've made you known. I want to continue to make you known. I want them to know you, God, like I know you because I know how much love you have for me. I want them to feel that love. Hear the heart of the Lord Jesus saying, God, I want them to have this same phileo relationship that I have with you. Listen to that verse from the Passion Translation. Again, Passion Translation is about like the uh, amplified version of the Bible. It takes, it collects uh, the Septuagint, which is the Bible that Jesus had, Second Temple Judaism. It was a Greek translation of the original Hebrew 300 years or so before Christ. And well, no, that was that would be the uh, Hebrew text they they had in that day was from about 300 years. So the, the Septuagint was before that, um, but anyway, it collects the Hebrew text, it collects the Septuagint, the Greek text, it, it it takes the Aramaic translation of the Scripture, which was the common language of Jesus' day, which was written about 300 years after Christ. But it kind of tries to pick up what are all the nuances amplified. It picks up. What are the different nuances? And tries to put them into one place. John 17, 26, Jesus said, God, I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so they may experience the same endless love that you have for me, for your love will now live in them even as I live in them. It's a prayer for us to be receptive to the love of God. The phileo love of God that emotes in us and communicates with us. And there's, again, the energy out of heaven is based on love and the spirit of God flows through that channel. And that's where we get gifts of the spirit. That's why the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 is right in the middle of the chapters on the Holy Spirit's gifts. Chapter 12, 13, 14, right in the middle, and it's all about love because it's central to the gifts of power operating in us and in the church. We need the love of God. Jesus, I want to say one thing about it because sometimes we think, well, Jesus was so good and so great and so awesome and so everything he should be, and we're not, so I can't have that relationship Listen to this relationship. There's a Matthew 3 moment here in Jesus' life. Matthew 3, 16 and 17. This is Jesus' baptism, right? It says, and he rose up out of the water, and the heavenly realm opened up over him, and he saw the Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Then suddenly the voice of the Father shouting from the sky, saying, this is the Son I love, and my greatest delight is in him. Oh, man, there's some phileo flowing in it. There's some good, good love of God flowing. 
And this is at his baptism. Remember, he hasn't entered into ministry, right? He hasn't got the power of the Holy Spirit. He's about to be driven out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and he's going to return empowered by the Holy Spirit preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. I'm bringing the kingdom of God to you. Starting Wednesday night in my prophetic life workshops. You can get it live online on my YouTube channel, Freshwater with Steve Meeks, Freshwater YouTube. Wednesday night, you can do live streaming there. You can send in questions, or you can come to the class. I have a live class also, but I'm going to start a semester on the kingdom of God. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying, I came out of the desert after my baptism with the kingdom of God. I, it's in me. It flows through me. The kingdom of God is in you, he says, right? But the point is, Jesus has this experience with God, and he says, this is my son whom I love. My greatest delight is in him. He hasn't done any ministry up to this point. He hasn't done any stuff. God's just saying, I love this man. This is my son. I am so proud of him. He hadn't even started his ministry yet. Listen, the love of God, it's so, it's so surprising, empowering. The Holy Spirit was sent to him, and he was resting on the sun, touching him, right? And the same thing happens at Pentecost. When Jesus has started the church, Jesus has started the new body of Christ. He is the body of Christ, and now we are the body of Christ. At Pentecost, what happens? The Spirit comes upon the church. Tongues of fire, a rushing mighty wind, experiential touches of God. Not theology, although it was based back on prophecies, but there was an experience that changed the lives of these men. At ministry team training, I always, not always, but usually read the quote from John Wesley about how did the first great, uh, great awakening started? It started when a bunch of men were in a midnight uh, prayer meeting at 3 o'clock in the night, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them, knocked them all to the floor, and they got up saying, praise God. And they went forth, and they changed the face of two continents. It was experiential. It wasn't theological. Church, we need experience with God. It's a legitimate way of knowing. It is a biblical reality, and it is not to be absent from our lives. It's the real deal. I remember one time when I really started moving in the Spirit, and I didn't know I was moving in the Spirit. I mean, I'm a good Baptist guy, you know. It's like, but I had this encounter in my freshman year at LSU, and I was not walking with the Lord, was pretty wrecked my life pretty well, and I remember I went up, I surrendered my life to the Lord fresh, and God, here I am, whatever, here are all the broken pieces of my life, if you want those, here they are, and he took all those broken pieces and started to build something, but when I made that prayer, something happened, again, I didn't believe or even know anything about visions or any, I didn't know any of that stuff, but suddenly there's like this big circle of light around me, like 15 feet, you know, all the way out from me, all the way around me, and like, I can see it, nobody else could see it, so that was a little uh, crazy, but um, I could see it, and when anything came into that light that was going to be harmful to me, or temptation to me, or whatever it was that was going to do something to pull me away from God, away from the light, when that would come into that light, it would turn, like, it would look like a shadow. It would look dark. And that went on for several weeks. 
And then it, then it went away. But for several weeks, it's like God was showing me, this is going to mess you up again. This is going to take you the wrong way. This is not, just watch out for this. And like, it was just as real to me as you sitting here. But nobody else could see it. It was, it was an ongoing vision. And in that, that was my Matthew 3 moment. It's like, God's here. God is with me. He's not just kidding. And so I had that Matthew 3 moment with the Lord. A um, few years ago when I'm driving home, I get to the corner of Leando Parkway and Wyatt Chapel Road and I'm about to turn left. It's one mile exactly to my house and just heard in my head the words, turn right. Okay, turn right. It's a couple, three or four miles back around this little loop that I made. Got back right to the same stop sign where I was before. It's like I've been saying, God, you're trying to tell me something. You got something to say. I'm almost back. Get the stop sign. I stop and I say, didn't hear anything. And suddenly Jeremiah 30, 21 popped into my head. I got no clue what Jeremiah 30, 30 anything is, much less 21. Um, so then I was pretty excited. Okay, I wonder what that says. I'm going to be really disappointed if this says something like, you know, go slaughter your cow and sacrifice it or something. But anyway, I, I, I turn left and I go and I open up my, have my NIV text, which was perfect for this, for this translation. And uh, it says their leader will be one of their own. In other words, you're just going to be one of the guys. You know, it's just like you're just like everybody else. There's no difference. And we're all the same. And their leader will be one of their own. And he will devote himself to be close to me. And I will draw him, and he will come close to me. And it was a life verse. Still a life verse. It's like I had no idea what that passage was. But that little impulse just turned right. And then 3021, Jeremiah, open it up. Devote yourself to be close to me. And that has been the call of my life. Devote yourself to be close to the Lord. And in that, you'll be able to give what God wants to give to other people. We need experiences like that. I remember a rushing mighty wind moment with uh, Gwen Brimer. Daniel and Gwen used to be here as worship pastors. And I was doing a conference for them out in Phoenix, Arizona. And during worship, I began to have this strange encounters, really weird. Never had anything like it. I've only had once since. But uh, then we were out, in the, you know, it's like August, I think, in Phoenix. Oh, so now we're there. She got trapped in the pool one morning because she couldn't hold on to the metal bars to get out of the pool. It was too too hot. So it was, it was really hot. But we're in this worship service, and all of a sudden, I start feeling these blasts of wind hitting me, different places, like on my arm or my cheek or my, my elbow or something, just different places. I'm feeling all this, and it's like somebody is, and I'm not talking about like, you know, just a little sensing. I'm talking about like somebody walking up and going, you know, just real hard right right on part of my body, and and it was like ice cold, like the wind, the, the, the air was like really cold, really refreshing, because it was so doggone hot, it was like 112 every day, and, and that air felt so good, and it's like, wow, but I'm thinking, what is going on, because I'm looking around like, is there an air vent, is that coming off the drums over there, it's like, I'm trying my rational mind, trying to figure out, what, what, what 
where is this coming from? And Jim Gall, he was a, he, he and I and Mickey Robinson were doing the conference, and I looked at Jim, and he, you know how Jim is. He's a crazy man anyway. He kind of looking over at me and a little bit slyly, and I went over and sat by him. I said, do you know what's going on to me? He said, Steve, you've been in their realm. He said, but now angels are in your realm. There are angels dancing around you. I went, oh, okay. So I was assuming we were brushing up against one another, and I told Mickey about that, and he said, oh, that sounds cool. And we were worshiping, and a few minutes later, Mickey hollered out, I got one. He said, I, I felt one. So he, he felt one, too. That made me, again, feel like maybe I'm not totally crazy. But um, And then Gwen came up, and she said, would you, would you pray for me? And uh, I said, sure. And so she sat down in the front row, and worship's still going on. And, and when I walked up to her, I swear to you, it's like a rushing mighty wind hit. And it came, I don't know if it came out of me or through me. It's like all of a sudden this blast of air. I mean, I've been feeling all these nice little cool things, you know, from these angels. And all of a sudden this blast of air came through me. Gwen is sitting there, and she'd had her eyes closed because we were just starting to pray or I walked up, I touched her in this, it was like a, one of those huge, like, shop fans. I mean, it was a big blast of wind. Nothing, all this, it blew her clothes back against her body, and all her hair, it was just blown straight back, and boy, her eyes popped open. She said, what was that? I said, well, if the other was the Holy Spirit, I mean, the angels, that must have been the Holy Spirit, because it was powerful. It's like, these are transrational. I can't explain any of that. I can't um, figure it out because it's like, like not earned, not deserved. It's like God is with us. We need some experience of God. Jesus had experience with God like this, and not just at his baptism, right? I mean, he had the Mount of Transfiguration. Again, what does God say to him? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Got the Matthew 12 passage. This is my beloved, the voice speaking out of heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Phileo encounters with God. Church, we need those encounters. We won't all be the same. Like every one of mine were different. I've never had any of them again except maybe, you know, again, that little angel thing. Uh, I didn't know my phone was on. I guess it is. Um, but be sure when you hear this because I want to make this very clear. I am not saying we should seek experience. Don't go seeking, oh, I'm going to have an angel touch, or I want to have this, or I want to have that. No, don't seek that. I was never seeking anything. I was never seeking an experience. I was seeking God. God, I want to know you. Who are you? What are you like? I want to learn to hear your voice. I want to walk with you. I want to be like Jesus, right? We're supposed to become conformed to the image of Christ. It's like, just pursue God. And when you find God, it'll be an encounter. A lot of my times of finding God's an encounter of conviction and confession and repentance. But that's finding God too. That's experience too. By which I know, God, this is displeasing to you. Help me, deliver me, save me from this, God. Change me. Or sometimes in worship we can get caught up or whatever it is. I, don't, I mean, again, I can tell you stories from, you know, just reading or sermon writing or just doing life. Again, Jesus, I'm at the door. I'm knocking. Let me in. We'll dine together. In other words, we'll just do life together. But I've never sought experience, but I have sought God diligently. When we do that, God seems to find his way into our life. Just seek him. Don't seek somebody else's experience. In fact, as I'm saying, don't seek any experience. Just seek God. God, I want to know you. 
I want to be with you. I want to hear your voice. I don't want to just know the Bible. I want to live the Bible, right? It's the way that Jesus teaches us, shows us. So we need to be able to come along with Jesus and say, I just want to walk with God. I want to know God, and he's a real God. He's a real spirit. I remember one time praying for Roger Atkins, and uh, we were at a men's retreat, and I laid hands on him, and all of a sudden he just, boom, crumpled to the floor. I said, Roger, what did you feel when I asked him? He said, Steve, it was like this spirit just washed over me from head to toe, and it was like I could just feel something living coming upon me, and it was like, he said, it was like God's word became alive in me, he said, and we need Again, encounters, because there's some things you can't know except by experience. But again, the tricky part, but you don't seek experience. You seek God. He knows what we need. He knows when we need, right? That's what God calls us to is a life of seeking, of hunger, of thirsting for him. Oh, Jesus, again, he gets these encounters often in his life. And it's because of the presence of of his love and the Father's love for him. So, agape, yes, we need it. Theological truth. Phileo, experiential truth. We need both of those. The Father, listen, it's not something you earn again. It's already paid for. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Just seek God. Just seek to know God. Jesus needed this affirmation. Right? Again, God gave it to him several times through his life. And as I said earlier, this love is what made Jesus Jesus. And this love is what will make us what we're supposed to be in Christ, conformed to his image. So don't just stop with theological truth. If that's all you got, well, it's something. I'm, again, I'm not against that. I love theology. But we need some phileo. We need some experiential truth. People, I don't think in the long run as this culture continues to unravel, I don't think that people are going to be drawn to just a well-organized church. They're going to be drawn to the presence of God. We need to be those who walk with God, who know this presence of God. And if Jesus needed these affirmations, I, I, I think that we also need these affirmations. And this is what is available to us in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need the truth of God's love, his agape. We need the touch of God's love. But I do want to say again, there are some dangers. Beware. Uh, one danger is going too far, right? We can go beyond Scripture and become our own authority. Because I had this experience, then this is true or whatever. It's like, no, it's not. It's like, be grounded in the Word of God. That's something I've always tried to do. Be grounded in the Word of God. So beware, be aware that there are differences between agape and phileo. There are. And I can show you a lot of other Bible passages. And this is for us today. This is not for some other time. So be aware of that. On the other side, be warned. There are dangers. We can go beyond the authority. This is what when people say, you know, you're people going off the deep end. Yeah, people can go off the deep end. But I remember when I came into the things of the Spirit, I wasn't looking for the things of the Spirit. As I said, I was looking for God. But I remember God speaking to me, and I was worried about, well, God, people are going to go off the deep end. And the Lord warned me. He says, Steve, what about people going off the shallow end? You ever get afraid of going off the shallow end? It's like we're talking about faith in an invisible spirit that created everything and it loves us personally, and we don't think that's weird. It's like this is beyond our understanding, guys. 
But what he has revealed and what we do know should call forth love out of us, not just knowledge, not just information. So you can go off the deep end, sure, but you can also go off the shallow end and not believe that the Bible is actually for us today, right? That's the shallow end when we don't walk in that. So deep end, yeah, you can take things too far and you become your own authority and you go beyond what God's word said. I would never recommend that, but beware. I think the greatest trouble in a Western church is going off the shallow end. I think that's our greater danger in our culture um, as a whole. So we need to allow God to be God, right? And we don't set the rules to that. The scripture is guidance well enough. And Will there, will there messes when you're doing this kind of stuff? You know, Proverbs 14, 4, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of an ox. Isn't that a great verse? Put that one on your refrigerator. Where there are no oxen, you don't have any oxen, the manger's clean. You don't have a lot of mess to clean up in the stall. They're not pooping everywhere. They're not scattering their straw everywhere. The manger's clean, but guess what? You don't have any crops either. Right? There's no, but if you want abundant crops, it comes by the strength of the ox, which means you want to work with him, you want to see the power work, okay, but remember, you're going to have to shovel some stuff at the stall. <laughs> we'll have to clean up some stuff in our lives. We'll have to work on some things. Yeah, absolutely. That's about what it means to grow, right? We make mistakes. We, we fall off the deep end, whatever it is. I, I, I would a lot rather deal with falling off the deep end than going off the shallow end. I just would. I used to wasn't like that, but I, I'm like that now. It's like, I need life. I'm getting way too old to settle for something else because I know what's down the road. It's like, um, I never heard Jesus say to his disciples, oh, ye of too much faith. <laughs> I, but I did hear, oh, ye of too little faith, right? So, hear me again clearly. I'm not saying seek experience. I am not. I'm saying seek God, really, totally. The, the greater church, again, the greater problem of the church is not that we need to be bound up and made more tighter and in control. We need to be aroused. We need a church that's passionate for God, that's seeking the glory of his presence among us so that when we come into his presence, we're changed. That's what we need. Oh, God, thank you that you're always with us, Lord, but we just live so unaware. We just live so unaware of you. God, I pray you would just, by your Spirit, stoke the flames in us. May they burn a little hotter as we go from this service. May we come into this new week with a new desire. Lord, I, I do want more of you. Or maybe some of us, and probably many of you would say, yeah, I've had some experience with the Lord. And again, I'm not saying go back and seek experience. And I rarely find God repeating stuff. But I am saying maybe we need to be reminded, God, I know you're there. I know you'll speak to me and touch me. I want to know you more. There is more of God to know, church. There is more of God to come. As I prophesied a couple of years ago, there is more of God in our destiny than there was in our history. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't seek experience. Seek God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. In Jesus' name. Would you stand together? We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.